All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So before we jump into our new series, let's talk about our giving slides. We want to keep you up to date financially uh, where we're at. So the giving slide, so monthly budget, um, our October giving to the general fund, and then our over budget for the month, and then over budget uh, for the year, and then also to celebrate five more people here at Life Church ch- uh, decided to uh, be consistent givers and to be a part of the mission and vision. And what's funny about that is we're talking, to, I was talking to people afterwards, um, you know, they brought up the giving slide. And like, if you have been at Life Church for a while and you see that, or, you know, any period of time, she's like, I can't believe nobody claps. So I'm just going to clap because that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look at that through what has happened through COVID and just all the things that happened, it's just not normal, right? I mean, that the way that this has happened just isn't normal, and we love when things aren't normal because that means God's working. So along with that, because we've been over budget, we've been able to put money towards our building funds. So if you didn't know this, we had air conditioners and a roof that needed to be fixed, and so we made a decision that we wanted to raise the money instead of going out uh, to the bank to be able to get it. And so we've been taking money, transferring it over, and people have been giving uh, to the building fund to be able to do it. And we are 5% away from funding the entire project. So that's another thing to think about. So, and I forgot to mention this, I'll have to say it again in first service, but it got late enough in the year that they're not going to be able to do the roof until spring just because of the way it has to cure and stuff. So we'll kind of keep you updated on that. But we got all the prices locked in, materials here. So as soon as we can get, uh, you know, good weather, they'll be finishing uh, the roof. But again, it's just great things to celebrate, to see the, the, the stuff that God's doing here at Life Church and how he continues uh, not only to give us vision, but how you support the vision of keeping this building open for the community, because that's the big part about it. Like the reason roofs and air conditioners and all that isn't just so we can do Sunday morning, right? The idea is so we can have it open to the community, so we can continue to, to make this building a blessing. So because of your generous giving, you've given us a chance to do that. So thank you with that. All right, so we are in a new series called Dream Again. So I'm going to give you a little background um, and then maybe explain why I'm wearing the cowboy hat, if anybody wondered. And we are talking about it earlier. Some people like, oh, you need to wear that to church. And like, you don't need to egg me on to wear a cowboy hat to church. So there doesn't have to be any prompting for those things. But so in this series, Dream Again, it kind of came out of this, this idea that um, some of you guys know that like for Sherry, she had some health issues on and off. And so part of what we had talked about is you never know if you get tomorrow. And so those things that we've always dreamed about, you should probably do them, right? Like, you know, you should probably go out, one, go after those things. So one of those things was going out West. And so last year, um, when right after my dad's funeral, Sherry and I just loaded up and started driving. We didn't have one hotel reservation and we just took off and wherever she wanted to go, we went and you know, we came back 14 days later and 7,000 miles later. And we made our trip around, you know, out West and saw a lot of things. So part of that was this whole idea, like, isn't it great when you can dream and then those dreams become reality? Right? Like when you can see those things happen. Because the reason that we hadn't went in the past, and we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, is, is that, you know, there's always a reason why you can't get something done. You know what I mean? When you dream about something, there's always it's time, it's money, it's, there's always going to be tomorrow. There's always, you know. So we put off or we delay the dreams in our life. Well, when we were out there, one of the other things that I had dreamed about was this idea 
When our kids were in high school um, and even in college, part of our ministry with our kids was is we would minister to their friends and have opportunities to reach them. So whoever their friends were, we'd have them over, we'd do small groups with them, we coached their teams, you know, so it gave us an opportunity to do ministry into the community. Well, as the kids got older and got out of college and kind of moved on to different places in life, Sherry and I had been talking about, so what's going to be our next ministry? Like, how are we going to continue to reach people? One of the things that we had been dreaming of is this whole idea of, like, taking people on trips from the church, you know, where you do like father-son trips and you could go out west and hunting or down south and fishing, or even if it's just local and go camping. And we'd been talking about it for a lot of time. And so when we got to the place out in Wyoming, we were in Sheridan, Wyoming, and we were sitting there talking about it. And I saw a mule deer hunt and whitetail hunt. And I said, oh, I would just love, you know, we could get some guys from the church and we could do the kids and, you know, do it all together. And she finally just said, you need to stop talking about it and just do it because you're not guaranteed that you're ever going to get another chance to be able to do it. So we booked that trip last year, which is what I just got back from. So just got back. We were in Alzada, Montana, hunted in around Hewlett, Wyoming. Great opportunity, great time. Got to take my son. Some people here from church were able to go, and I was able to get my cowboy hat. So it's kind of the, the, the both and inside of that. But the reason that I tell you all of that is, is that I think as Christian people that we're called to dream, right? Like I think if you are someone who has given their life to Jesus Christ, that a part of being a believer is being a dreamer, right? And not just a dreamer for the sake of dreaming, but dreaming for the sake of making a difference in the kingdom. Like I think that's what God wants for each one of us. But if you talk to a lot of people and you, you go up and you, you ask them like, what are you dreaming about? So what, what do you, what do you, what visions do you have? Or what are you dreaming about in your future? Most people will be like, I'm just trying to figure out how to get through today, right? Like I'm just trying to figure out how to get through the week. I can't think any further than what's in front of me. You know, I can't think any further than what's right out, you know, in the next week because I get to this opportunity where life becomes overwhelming and then dreaming becomes even more overwhelming, right? So I think people just stop dreaming. The other reason that people stop dreaming is because they dreamed once and were very disappointed. You know, because here's what's funny. You don't have to tell a kid to dream, right? Like, if you ever raised kids, you don't have to tell them to dream big and think about all these crazy things and all the things that they say. You're sitting around them and you're like, you know, just the awe and wonder and dreaming of a child is special. And then all of a sudden they get older and they stop dreaming, and we get older and stop dreaming, you know, or like I talk to people, young people, and they have these like dreams for their marriage and for their spouse and what life will look like, and then they're married for 10 years and they've given up on their dream. Right? I mean, you might not want to shake your head if your wife's next to you, but you know what I'm saying. Like you go into it with this like ideal dream of what my husband's going to look like and what my wife's going to look like and how we're going to raise our kids. And then all of a sudden you get into it and it doesn't work and you become disappointed. So instead of dreaming to fix it, you just lower your expectations and exist, which is the problem, right? We've live in, we live in a world today where instead of dreaming and allowing God to help us fulfill the dreams, we've just lowered our expectations, says as long as we can make it through life, we're good. But we would all know this as Christian people, right? That's not why you're on this earth. 
You are not on this earth to just exist. You are not on this earth to just get by. You are not on this earth to just make it to the end with the least amount of scratches that you can get. That's not why you exist. God designed you to flourish. God designed you to, to, to go bigger and beyond the things that he has, you know, just in existing in life. He wants more from your life. So think about this. What would it look like and how much would change if couples started dreaming about what their marriage could be like and what God wants it to be like instead of just existing inside of their marriage because that's all they know? Like, what would be different inside of your marriage? What would be different if you started asking God, like, what do you want from our marriage and how do you want it to be? I know it's not there today. I know it's not there today. But God, if you want this standard, you know, think about this, wives. If there is a standard that God has for a husband, a dream of what God has for a husband, why have you lowered your expectations for your husband? Or man, if these are the expectations that God has and dreams for what a godly woman's supposed to be, just because they're not or the world says it's impossible, why have you lowered your expectation? Right? Well, the reason we've lowered our expectation is because we've been disappointed too many times and we don't want to try to get it figured out. And I'm saying, as a Christian, you need to push into that dream and not back off to what culture says you should be. Right? What about this? You know how sometimes when you're raising kids, if you've raised kids, it's like, can we make it through? You know what I mean? Can I just get them to graduate high school? You know what I'm saying? Or can we just like make sure that they don't end up in jail? Or can we just make sure that, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just times in your life when you raise kids where you're just wondering, are we going to be able to make it? And so you don't really think about this. Like I'm saying, what would it be like if you started dreaming like this? What, what, what would it be like if you dreamed that your children and the investment that you made into them would be kingdom warriors that would change the world. What is it, instead of just hoping that they make it, what if you poured into them and said, no, for these children, I'm going to give them the resources, and I'm going to dream that they're going to be world changers, not people that are going to just exist. So I'm not going to squash their dreams, but I'm going to teach them how to dream. And I'm going to teach them how to, to achieve and accomplish those things. And I'm going to teach them how to, to speak to God and for God to be able to work through those things in their life. What would be different? I like you think about this. What would be different in our world today if people reached their kids to be world changers? I mean, think about that. Like just our own children. Forget about reaching everybody else's children. What if we reached our own? What if we taught our own kids to care about the salvation of their friends? What if, we, what if we taught our kids to dream about, you know, the salvation of their friends and their community and gave them the tools to be able to do it instead of just like, can you make it through high school and then just be normal, go, go to college and get a job and then get married and have kids and just make it through life? Right? Like, what if we taught them to, to care about those types of things? What if... So if you're not married yet, or you're in a, a dating relationship, or you're in this place where you're, where you're thinking about what it is that, that God has for you, what if you would dream about the man that God has for you, not the men that are out there? Any single people? Because you know what's happened? Is instead of dreaming about the thing that God has because he has something for you, you know what I mean? I mean, I know maybe it's slim pickings, but I'm hoping that it's out there. Instead of dreaming about like, this is the man that God has that can do the things that God wants in my life. Instead of just saying like, no, I'm just going to lower the bar and take whoever's left. 
right? The same thing, husbands like, or, or people that are dating to, to marry a woman someday, what, what would it look like if you put this expectation out there, like this is what a godly woman looks like, and I'm going to wait because they're out there, and I'm going to have an expectation. Because I always say, you know, part of the problem with dating relationships now is everybody wants to know why men and women don't change, and the reason is you don't expect them to. That's why they don't change, right? They don't change because you have zero expectations of them because the world has told you having expectations of somebody of the opposite sex isn't okay. And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, you're going to be crazy if you're going to go into a relationship without knowing that there are godly expectations of a man and godly expectations of a woman, and that if you're a Christian person, then you need to not lower them. You need to stick with them and dream and believe that God has that out there. Because, you know, the problem with all of this is, it's not just like, I think this is good advice. Like, you think you should dream. Like, and I think you should think through these things in all areas of your life, relationship, kids, future relationships. But scripturally, there's a problem with not dreaming, right? Like, there's a danger. Like, if you look in scripture, there is a true danger in not operating out of this idea that God says that we should be dreamers. You know, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. You know what he's saying? It's not physical perish. So it's not saying somebody without vision is going to physically die. It means their life is going to be completely wasted. That's what perish means, right? When he says, when there is no vision, people will perish. It means they will exist through life on a flat line, never making a difference because they had no vision. Without vision in your life and without dreams in your life, you're going to live this flat line, not changing anything, not making any difference, and you're going to get to the end. And essentially, yeah, your physical body is going to die, but when you stand in front of Jesus Christ, the other thing that you're going to realize is you didn't make a difference. Like you made it. You made it to the end, but you didn't make a difference. And that's the other danger, 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us, in the, uh, due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The danger of not dreaming. Think about this for a second. Every single person in this room that calls themselves a Christian, okay? So I'm talking to Christian people right now. So listen up. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, let me give you a little insight of what's coming. Whenever Jesus comes back or you take your last breath, you're going to a place called the Bema Seat. The Bema Seat is the judgment for all Christian people. When you go to the Bema Seat, two questions will be asked of you. What did you do with my Lord and Savior, my son, Jesus Christ? What decision you make, we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then gives you entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Are we all clear on that? Because not, I'll say that one again. <laughs> when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ gives us entrance into the kingdom of heaven. But it doesn't end there. And this is, I think, the misconception with a lot of people. Well, I'm just going to make it in and, you know, by the, you know, just scoot through and just make it. But you know the next thing that happens? You will then be judged for all of the things done in the body, good and bad. There is a second judgment. It has nothing to do with whether you get in or out, but it does have everything to do with how you spend eternity. Not where, 
Are we all tracking on this? Because I don't want this to be confusing. Not where, because where was determined by Jesus. How was determined by how you lived your life. Did you waste it? Now think about this. Sure, you can exist, you can make it, you can live a flatline life, you can make no difference, you can go all the way through life and selfishly get everything that you want, but you know what's going to happen? So you're going to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to walk in there and then he's going to put the DVD in of your life. What did you do to make a difference? I grew a business and I made some money and we had some kids and we made it through and we did these awesome vacations and went to all these places and I got this nice car and I achieved all these accomplishments. You're going to say, and what difference did it make? Is anybody's life changed because of what you did on this earth? I mean, I don't know if that brings fear to anybody else, but like that? You know that godly fear that you're going to waste your life because you get distracted with the things of the world? Do you ever think about that? How the world could distract you from making a difference by just keeping you busy? You know what I mean? Or even when it comes to dreaming, that your dreams become selfish dreams that are all about you and not the dreams that God has for your life. And so you could work your whole life to accomplish your dreams and get to the end of your life and he's going to say, and what? Right? Like it didn't make a difference. And that's all I'm saying is, is that when we're talking about dreaming, this is more than just like this pep talk. This is more than just saying, ah, you should be a dreamer. You should be an entrepreneur. You should be a risk taker. I'm telling you what Christ says to each one of us through scripture is, is that we as Christian people, and we're going to see this here in a little bit, there is a danger in not dreaming. There is a danger in ignoring the things that God has for your life. And that danger is standing in front of him saying, I wasted my entire life and all my time on this earth. So here's what I'm hoping for today, really through this whole series, that you'll learn how to dream. Like we, you know, we're going to put some foundational pieces together. In fact, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts 2. That's where we're going to start today. So in Acts 2, the hope is is that we're going to talk through this idea of some foundational principles when it comes to dreaming. Like, what is it that God has scripturally, not just like this motivational talk of like, make sure that you're a dreamer, but what does scripture say about dreaming? Then how you can apply it to your own life and how we can see God do a work inside of you and the things that he wants to do for you. So while you're turning to Acts 2, if you have a Bible, if not, it'll be up on the screen, but let me give you the history. Do you remember... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, life of Jesus, okay? At the end of the Gospels, Jesus is crucified, then he ascends to heaven, right? Before he ascends to heaven, he gives a mission to his disciples. It's called the Great Commission. He says, for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, here's what I need from you. I need you to go out baptizing people, you know, raising them up, discipling them, and sending them back out. That's going to be your mission, okay? But he says... Before you go on that mission, I want you to wait for something. I have something coming, so just make sure that you wait. So they go to this upper room to wait for what he would say is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them, but they didn't understand, so they're going to be in this upper room. They're waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he tells them, and this is going to be important, so if you're checked out, come back in. So When he says that I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, here's what he tells them. This is the reason that you're going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not so you can just feel good. Not so that, you know, I'm living inside of you. He says, 
Because you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, you will now do things that you could never do before, and you're going to do more than me. So this is Jesus. Jesus who raised people from the dead. Jesus who fed 5,000 people. Jesus who, right, like go through the stories. And now he's saying to you, the reason that you're going to get the Holy Spirit is because I'm going to give you power inside of you to do more than I did on this earth. So that's pretty profound, right? I mean, pretty profound that Jesus is saying, wait for it. And when it comes, you're going to have this gift, and this gift is going to give you the ability to do the Great Commission and give you the ability to do things you could never do pre-Holy Spirit. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. So let's look at Acts 2, uh, here, and we'll talk through what he says about the Holy Spirit. So here's what he says, starting in verse 1. So Acts 2, starting in verse 1 said, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like blowing, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began, began to speak in, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, back to what I said. When they receive the Holy Spirit, right from the beginning, they are able to do something that they were unable to do before. What was it? Right away. Speak in. Right? None of them could speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit came. Now they could speak in tongues. Right? Here's the reason I want you to see this and focus on this for a second. You know why people struggle sometimes with dreams? They struggle with this idea of dreams because they're like, is it my dream? Is it indigestion? Is it God's dream? You know what I mean? Like, I don't dream, like I go to sleep and I don't dream. You know, they have a hard time understanding, is it a dream from God? Is it from me? Right? Like, did people, yeah, right? Like you do, you struggle sometimes. Is it from God or is it just me being selfish, wanting something, and then I'm just going to attach God's name to it so I feel better about it, right? So that's this idea. So one of the things we know, and this is how you can kind of filter through, there's going to be other ways, believe me, this isn't the only way we're going to teach you, but one of the ways you can filter whether it's a God dream or your dream is, is that you were unable to accomplish a God-sized dream, and when it's your dream, you can get it done. Does that make sense? Because before Holy Spirit, right, do whatever you want, you could dream. But he says, after the Holy Spirit, after you're given the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to do things that you could never do before. So that's why when we start dreaming, the dreams that he's going to give us are only going to be able to get done because of the enabling of the Holy Spirit, right? So that's how you know. Like, that's how you start to understand, is it a God-sized dream? Because if it is, it's going to take faith, Right? It's going to take something that he gives us to be able to accomplish that. So as you're building this foundation of, I want to be a dreamer, I want to have God-sized dreams, it starts with when you as a Christian person, because every person in this room that has given their life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, not just to take up occupancy. He's living inside of you to give you power to do things that you could never do before him. Don't waste your time. He give you the ability to do things that you weren't able to do before. Call upon that power. It's living inside of you, and let's not mess around, and it's going to give you the ability to do things that you were never able to do before. Now, he also goes on and says this in verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each 
because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these all, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our, uh, our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pyphiga and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? But some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised their voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, I have to stop here for just a second. And I know for some of you I'm going to talk to, like you might not admit this, you don't really have to admit it, um, and or you've never experienced this. But for you guys that have, I want to talk to you about this thing called drunk courage. Anybody ever been around somebody who's had drunk courage? So Yeah, so people who have either been around people or have been in that position where all of a sudden, once you get a little bit in you, you're going to do things you would have never done before it. Have you ever seen people do that? I know you're not going to admit it. So just shake your head. You've seen somebody else do it, right? Like you've seen those people that all of a sudden they're going to try things that they would never try before the alcohol, right? Or they would never talk to somebody or say it before the alcohol. But as soon as the alcohol gets in, they're like, oh yeah, right? I mean, you've been there. You've seen these things. And it's funny. This is why I say it. You know what's funny about that? Everybody sitting in the crowd was looking at the apostles saying, drunk courage. Right? I mean, isn't that what they were saying? They were looking at him saying, no way would a normal person do what they're doing. No way would they stand up on that stage after Jesus had just been crucified and after this idea that anybody that's a follower of Jesus is going to be also hurt for talking about him, nobody would stand up on that stage and do what they're doing, right? They had courage that came from something other than themselves. Does that make sense? The reason I tell you that as we're dreaming, right, this is the thing that we need to recognize. As you're dreaming and as you are being filled with the Holy Spirit and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work, as you live out your dreams, people of the world are going to be like, they're crazy. Because you are living a life that no one else is living. You are raising your kids like nobody else does. Your marriage is different than any other marriage I've seen. You're, like, just put it on the list. You're running your business different than any other person that I've seen run their business. You are You know what I mean? Like put the list together. You are doing things different and people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, are you crazy? How do you have the courage to have that conversation? How do you have the courage to do those types of things? How do you have the courage to step out? The reason that we can dream and have courage to be able to dream is because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and people who are filled with the Holy Spirit do courageous things. The world will never understand. Okay, so it's a really important part of this dreaming process that you build the foundation that the courage to, to achieve dreams comes from the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on and he says this, 
in verse 16. He said, no, obviously because they're not drunk. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit to all people. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and I believe that this is true. I don't know, you know where you're going to land with this. I think, it, I think it's true with most people. If you don't number your days, you will never dream. If you think that you are guaranteed tomorrow, or you think you're going to get next week, you'll never dream. Because when you number your days, you know what it changes? A sense of urgency. Because you know when he says about the last days, you know what the last days means? Anytime the last days is talked about inside of scripture, it's talked about in two ways. The last days mean from the time that Jesus Christ died on the cross and ascended to heaven until he's coming back. You are living in the last days. And I'm not trying to scare you, but Jesus could come back at any time. Amen. Any time, right? Like I know you're thinking, but I got tomorrow and we'll get, our, we'll get to our dreams and we'll get to these places and we'll... You know, we'll get to our kids and we'll get to our marriage when it's convenient, when it's right, when it's right. Like you're, I got the time. And he's saying, listen, Jesus Christ, it says this inside the scripture, is coming back like a thief in the night. You better be prepared. How do you get prepared? You need to live the way he's called you to live. Dream the way that he's called you to dream. Not just exist and think there will always be tomorrow to get it right. Amen. You know how many people are living with I'll get it right tomorrow? So for somebody who's experienced you're not guaranteed tomorrow with the people that you love, take, take note, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You have no idea how one moment, one phone call, one thing in your life can change everything. I don't know what you're waiting on. Right? That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say to you, if you're going to be a dreamer, the way you're going to be a dreamer is knowing that you don't get tomorrow. So when it comes time to when you're thinking about, you know, we should probably get this right inside of our marriage. What are you waiting for? Why are you waiting to have the conversation? Or we need to do this with our children and we need to talk to them and we need to raise them up. What are you waiting for? You never know that you get tomorrow. You never know that you get these next moments. You know, I want to get to this place where, you know, whatever it is that God's trying to do inside of you and you're going to be like, well, when the time is right, when we have enough money, when, you know, we get the time to have the conversation, just so you know there's never a right time. Anybody? Is there ever a right time? Is there ever enough money? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, there's never enough money. There's never enough time. And if you, if you live that way, you're going to continue to exist in some day until God wakes you up and says, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And at that point, it's too late. At that point, when you get to that place, it's too late. And so he says, number your days. Live as if every day is a gift. Take advantage of every single day. Do the things that God's called you to do. And you will dream the way he's called you to dream because it's urgent. You know why you'll dream? Because it's urgent. I only have this amount of time left. Think about this. I only have that, this amount of time left and I'm going to be held accountable. I'm not wasting my time. So what do I do next? Well, this is what he tells us. This is what you do Next, that's what he goes on and says. So if you know that your days are numbered, what will he tell us will happen to each one of us? He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. He says to each one of you, and I think this is going to be important, you know, there's, there's a reason to dream, and sometimes I think the reason, we think the reason to dream is so that we can see the end result of the dream. You know what I mean? Like, 
We're dreaming about this, and if we can see the end result of it, then we feel like the dream came true. Just so you know, inside of Scripture, there were many times that God gave a dream to somebody that they never saw come true. Remember Abraham? There'll be a great nation. Did he ever see it? No. Moses. You know, you're going to see if he did Moses ever see it. No, he never saw the fulfillment of all of these things. He didn't see the fulfillment of the total dream that was going to come true. But you know why they still acted inside of that dream? You know why they still walked forward in faith? Because they understood something that each one of us should understand when it comes to dreaming. It's more about the journey than it is to destination. Right? It's more about the journey. The destination is the destination, but the journey is what he's trying to do. Because at the end of the day, whether you do or don't accomplish that dream or that vision that he has for you, if you live by faith because it's a God-sized dream, you will continue to grow closer in relationship with him, which is all that matters. Right? But when we wait and be like, I don't know if I'll ever see this dream come true, and I don't know if I can do it, and I don't know if all the circumstances are right, he's pretty much saying to you, Dream not because of what the destination will be, but dream because it will make you rely on me. Dream because I want you to depend on me. Dream because these, these God-sized dreams inside of your marriage or with your kids or whatever those things are, are going to make you grow closer to me, right? There might be impossibilities in the world, and who knows how it's ever going to turn out, but if you dream big God-sized dreams, then God can do something inside of you that he can't while you try to have it all under control. When you're trying to live under control, when you're trying to keep it all safe, safe is not in the vocabulary of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So if you thought being a follower of Jesus Christ was going to be a safe way to be, (laughs) that's not the way it was intended. It was never intended to be a safe journey that you're just going to end up in the end. This is the uh, last part of the scripture and the worship team is going to come back up as we Uh, read this last part of scripture. Verse 18 says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will return to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, this is how he ends, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want you to start thinking about this for just a second. The ending part of that scripture is very intentional. At the end it says, you know, well, at the beginning it's talking about like this is the Holy Spirit and dreams and number your days and then he gets to the end of it and he says, because we live a life of dreams, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know why it's important People think about this for you guys that are inside of a marriage and you're thinking about what, what's my motivation to dream for a godly marriage? What's my motivation to be a godly man? What's my motivation to be a godly woman and show a godly relationship? You know what your motivation is? The souls of people who are watching. What are you waiting on? At the end of it, the dream of having a great marriage isn't just so you can benefit of having a great marriage. The dream of having a great marriage is your kids are watching. Your kids are trying to figure out, dads. Your daughters are trying to figure out what's a real man look like. 
right? I mean, they're watching you because they're trying to get it figured out. There's more at stake than just you having a great marriage, right? What's at stake in raising your kids up to be world changers? They're friends. You want their friends to be better? You want them to behave better? Reach them for Jesus. You want to know why the motivation to pour into? Because you know what the problem in, you know, about dreaming is? It takes a lot of work. If you want your marriage to be one that's from God and the dream that he has for it, you know you have to work at it. You know that if you want your kids to be world changers, you got to spend time with them more than just running them to the soccer game and the football game and the next thing they have to do. You know how you have to intentionally pour into them and teach them how to be a world changer? You know how you have to intentionally work with them and help them understand what it looks like? Like, that's what he's trying to tell each one of us. Is like, listen, dream, trust me, and put in the work because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. There's a world watching. You want, to, you want your business to grow? Like you're dreaming about your business to grow? It's great to grow your business, but at the end of the day, if your business grows and you make great money and reach no one, I almost fear saying this, he doesn't care. Grow your farm, grow your organization, do all these things, get them big, make lots of money, and at the end of the day, if you reach no one and you stand in front of Jesus, he's not gonna be like, good job, you made a lot of money that now your kids are fighting over, but you did not leave a legacy in this world. Right? So when you're dreaming, it, nothing wrong with building big businesses and farms and, and organizational structures. No, nothing wrong with that, right? As long as the whole reason we're doing this, people, Give people the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So here's your challenge, right? So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. What's keeping you from dreaming right now? Past disappointments, past failures, past hurts, past regrets, whatever those things are, I want you to, I want you to bring them to the surface because you've got to bring them to the surface before you can ever fix them. And sometimes you forget why you stopped dreaming, so you need to bring some of those things up and you need to realize why you stopped dreaming. And then you need to get to this place is like whatever those barriers are that's keeping you from dreaming, you need to give them to God, right? You need to give those things to God and then ask him, because this is the third part of it. Would you be willing today to walk out of here saying, God, whatever dream you give me, I'm gonna do? Because sometimes I think we say we wanna dream, but do you really want him to put that dream in you? Because that dream's gonna take some work and that dream's gonna take some sacrifice and that dream's gonna change up the way you do things. So will you come to the place where you have enough courage to allow him to do that for you, to bring those dreams into your life? And here would be the last thing. As you're waiting for God to reveal dreams in your own life, never forget that part of a Christian person and our part of what God has for each one of us is not only for our own dreams, but to support the dreams of other people right? Like that's part of it. Like we see that throughout scripture. People had a dream and, and the person came along and supported that dream. And because they supported that dream, thousands upon thousands of people were saved. And I say that, you know, what's so great about Life Church. This is what I love about being here. And I've always said, like, I'm never going to be a pastor anywhere else. Like, this is it. Once you guys get rid of me, I'm done. I'll come and attend with the new people. But like, I love Life Church for this reason. A long time ago, I came to a place in my life where I felt like I needed to be in full-time ministry, but I really hated the local church because I thought the local church was stupid because they had 
Like I never saw anybody got baptized. I never seen any life change. I never saw anything going on that seemed like God's alive. All I saw was people coming together. And the only way the church grew was have more babies. Right? And it just seemed weird. It didn't make any sense to me. And then I go to the mission field and tons of exciting things were happening. And I'm like, mission field, Jesus is alive, local church, dead. You know, but then we got to a place, what are we going to do? And I felt like God said, I'm, I want you to plant a church because this is the dream that I have and this is the vision I have. That there can be a local church that loves you and loves people unconditionally. And because of those two things, they can transform the lives of people. And I'm like, okay, I don't believe it, but I believe you. And so we started Life Church with that vision. We just teach people to love you and love other people and love them unconditionally that God could do amazing things. And we are 17 years later and God has done a work. And you have supported that dream. You haven't just supported that dream financially. You supported that by prayer. You supported that by inviting people. And we've seen hundreds of people be baptized and all kinds of life be changed. Why? Because you were a part of helping achieve the dream. Right, so how we all can be a part of this. Will you stand so I can pray for you? So Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, just um, thankful that we can be reminded that we were not left on this earth to just exist, but we're here to thrive, to dream, to, to accomplish the things that you have for each one of us. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you will give us the courage to dream again, the courage to live out through the power of the Holy Spirit, the things that you have for us. And Heavenly Father, I pray that as we live out these dreams that you've given us, that you will get the glory. And that the world will take notice that we as Christian people living out your dreams through our lives are different. And the world will take notice. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So I want to leave you with this challenge. So one of the things we know about dreaming is part of the dreaming process is to start with some intentional conversations. Your first intentional conversation is asking God first, what do you want me to dream about? It starts with asking your husband or your wife or the person that you're in relationship with, what are you dreaming about? What are those things that we can do? It starts with sitting with your kids and saying, what are you dreaming about? And it starts with those intentional conversations and from those things, I think God can do amazing things. So I just ask you, can you have those conversations this week? Have them with the Lord and Savior. Have them with your your friends. Have them with your spouse and allow God to reveal some things. He's just been waiting and storing up for what he has for your relationship and your life. So thanks for being with us here this week. Thanks for joining us online and we'll see you guys next week.